welcome to Cavalier Central, bringing you everything you need to know about the wine and gold. Hey, Hoopheads, we appreciate you listening to this episode of Cavalier Central. Be sure to check out these other NBA pods on the Hoopheads Podcast Network, including Knock a Few Buck, 305 Culture, Spanning the Spurs, Hashtag Lakers, Blazing the Path, Motor City Hoops, X's and O's NBA Breakdown, LA Hoops, The Wizards Hoops Analyst, and At the Buzzer. Plus, our coaching-focused podcasts, Thrive with Trevor Huffman, Beyond the Ball, the CoachMaze.com podcast, Players Court, Bleachers and Boards, and The Green Light. Oh, and don't forget to check out our flagship, The Hoopheads podcast, hosted by me, Mike Cleansing, and my co-host, Jason Sunkel, featuring the best minds in the game, from grassroots to the NBA. Hey, Hoopheads, we all hate ankle sprains, and they happen way too often. Ankle injuries are the number one sports-related injury. Arise is trying to change that. With the iFast, your athletes get preventative protection and full mobility. Athletes no longer need to wear bulky braces that limit performance and give mediocre protection. Anyone playing sports should be using these products. Keep your athletes in the game. Don't wait for them to get hurt to take action. Visit www.arise.com. Spelled A-R-Y-S. E, and use the code HOOPHEADS to get 20% off the future of performance. That's A-R-Y-S-E dot com with promo code HOOPHEADS to get 20% off. Hey everybody, welcome back. I'm your host Justin Matcham and here with me tonight Dan Galinsky from King James Gospel. We got to break down the Timberwolves win along with the Clippers loss. Beat the Timberwolves in the second game of that back-to-back, uh, 198. Lost to the Clippers, 121 to 99. Now stand at a record of 10 and 12, which is seventh in the East. But before we break that down further, Dan, how you doing tonight? Pretty solid. Uh, and yourself? I'm doing well. Um, you know the the bad loss last night, but we can get past that. The Clippers are a very good team. Like I said, we'll we'll get into that a little bit more. But I want to start with that first game, obviously. Uh, Jared Allen getting his first start with Andre Drummond out, um, put up 23 points, 18 rebounds, uh, had five blocks as well. Overall, played, a, I thought, a solid game there. Um, still don't love to see them struggle that way against a team like the Timberwolves, but I also thought the Timberwolves came out and played well in that game as well. Um, obviously didn't have the, the super shooting nights from a guy like Malik Beasley and Anthony Edwards that they had in the first game, but overall, good you know, win overall. I want to know, what did you think of the Jared Allen start in particular, though? There was a lot of kind of talk about, you know, how that was going to look um, with Andre being out and Allen being the featured center in that game. Just about, you know, the offense flowing better and, you know, the guards being able to run more pick and roll. What did you think of Jared Allen's performance in particular and just how the team looked with him out there as opposed to Drummond in general? Yeah, I, I think you really touched on it um, pretty well there. Uh, it, it's just clear that with him in there, it's there's just actually more of a rolling presence and a guy that clearly is more uh, bought into being more of an off-ball player. Um, 
an active screener. I think he is more of an off-ball screening presence. Drummond has been underwhelming to me, and especially in the off-ball sense. I, I really thought that um, him coming here, I thought that'd be more of more prevalent. Uh, and the love injury is, is obviously factored into it, but I just think with Allen, he, he played well, did what uh, was very active at the other end, um, got five blocks there. And he's not a guy that uh, – he's definitely not a guy that's a switch-out guy. I'm not saying he is, but at least is a guy that can – just seems to have more impact as a dropper when he does. Um, and guys can kind of funnel him or guards into him more, and he's he's at least going to use his wingspan well. And I think – I don't remember. He might have been dunked on once, but at least is just more of a – consistent guy vertically and uh, clearly again offense flow is better when he's in there uh, but to me I, I took a little large grain of salt just because it's the Timberwolves and without Towns it's again you take it with a big grain of salt so I, I would say I was definitely satisfied but not going to really go crazy about it. Yeah and a, a couple of those blocks came against Jaden McDaniels I believe just trying to go up for a highlight dunk with it he probably oh, shouldn't have was, gone up for. That was McGee. Was it McGee? I thought Allen had one yeah. of those as well. Were they both McGee? McGee I, had a couple I, blocks in there too, I, didn't I he? I think they were both on McDaniels, but uh, I do think that Allen got him once on kind of like a drive or something. Yeah. Either way, yeah, JaVale McGee also got in this game uh, without Drummond, played 13 minutes and had three blocks as well, five rebounds. But uh, yeah, I think, like you said, just and obviously, the, the, the three-point shooting is a, a problem that we're going to discuss here. But I think just having the more free-flowing offense of, you know, having Jared Allen there who can just, you know, is more satisfied off-ball and more capable or at least more willing to run pick-and-rolls with these guys, um, it does just kind of open things up a little bit more when you're not having to constantly, you know, Forfeit. I, I won't say forfeit, but give post touches to a guy like Jared Allen as compared to um, compared to Drummond. One more thing I want to talk about with Jared Allen though um, is his shot. We've seen him take a lot of. Oh, I won't say we've seen him take a lot of mid rangers, but um, one thing in particular that I'm kind of you know hoping to see from him moving forward because we see those kind of you know mid rangers that you know he's been hitting with some you know consistency. Last night, I think he took a, a long two that was like three feet inside the arc uh, that he ended up missing, but just open jumpers. What do you think of the possibility of Jared Allen taking more threes than he is right now? Because he's not, obviously, he's not taking any right now. But I feel like this is a guy who, again, if left wide open, not saying that, you know, he should be taking more than, you know, again, one uncontested three a game. But do you like the idea of him taking threes? Uh, I think with him, at least the shot, it's it's not the greatest looking motion, but I, I think it's more viable, at least um, given that I think that obviously the sample size has been very small, but at least as you touched on, it's shown some mid post ability or uh, mid range ability. So, yeah, if he takes if he takes a three game, I don't see that as being all that detrimental, at least. Just it could be something to build on long term. Um, next year, I really do think that um, a full off season, hopefully, knock on wood, 
with the Cavs where they can really get reps in. I think that's where I think he could definitely uh, – I think we could see maybe um, even one and a half, two, three attempts a game next year for him because he's, he's shown a little bit of uh, – like a tad bit of that as a possibility. And I, I think he's like a 70%er from the line. So I, I'm not – I wouldn't be – like it's not like Drummond where it's just – I mean – he had some of those initially uh, in Andre preseason. Andre has proven at this point. I was going to say, Andre has proven at this point that it's just not going to work for him, like, ever. <laughs> right. That's that's basically, like, a lottery ticket at this rate. I don't think Allen is – I don't think the touch is that bad. So, I, I wouldn't be opposed to that, really, if it's just initially to start here. Yeah, and I, like you mentioned, uh, Allen is also a 70% free throw shooter. Um, and his, in his nine games so far in Cleveland, shooting 79% from the line. Yeah. So you do see, and, and obviously just looking at the overall touch on the ball and just feel off the shot, it looks a lot better than a guy like Drummond. And especially with a team that is, you know, happy yeah. to give, or I guess not happy to give, but accepting of the JaVale McGee threes that we saw when he was, you know, getting his regular minutes. Right. I don't know. And just looking at, you know, a team in general that needs to find more ways to, to take outside shots. Yeah. If you at least have the, the somewhat of a threat of leaving, you know, Jared Allen wide open, um, then that, that improves your space and that not only increases your three point attempts, but allows, you know, like I said, the spacing, which will give other guys opportunities as well. So I think, yeah, I'm, I'm more on board with, you know, like you said, kind of the development route of this offseason well, that could be a major focus. And for a guy that's 22, 23 years old, still very, plenty of time to add that. So, you know, he's a he's a guy that you can expect, I'd say, to be more of a proficient three-point shooter in the, in the prime of his career, maybe. But um, looking at uh, Drummond in particular now, uh, I think last night, obviously last night he played, you know, a, a fine game, had... 13 points, well, I can't even say fine game, but, you know, had 13 points, five rebounds, a couple of assists. Uh, also had three turnovers, shot four for 13 from the field. Didn't go five for seven from the line, give him his credit there, where it's, where it's due. Right. If we're going to praise Jared Allen's free throw shooting, you can you can praise that from him. Right. But, um, is, Dan, I have to ask you this. Is Andre Drummond, one of our concerns early in the season when Andre was really, really looking good and getting his, you know, consistent 20 and 15 or whatever and kind of carrying the team early on, is Andre Drummond starting to lose focus? Is he starting to become less engaged like we feared he would? I don't – I really actually just saw that in the last game. I I really didn't – I don't think it's really been that much of a narrative yet. Um or I guess that apparent is what I meant. I, I don't. I think it was just really the last game. I like there was. I think it was the end of the first half. He just. It's kind of a broken play. I can't. I don't remember who exactly shot it at, but uh, maybe it was Reggie Jackson. It might have been, but he just didn't even at all. Like it was clear that the guy had to have shot it. And there was not going to be a pass. There couldn't be a pass there. There wouldn't have been enough time. And he just just didn't contest a shot at all. And maybe he thought that he wasn't close enough where it would do anything. But it's just it's just frustrating because he has that seven six wingspan. And there, I understand that he's not a guy that is his natural inclination is going to be protecting the paint and or the rim. But there's just some situations where. At least just try to get out there, and if you maybe engage 
uh, a, a contest, for example, uh, in the pick and roll, and you go out there and, and close out hard, um, maybe that it, just that effort enables their uh, like kind of a help the helper situation. And at least just doing that, at least it prevents a three from happening. Like those are the little things that I, I'm not going to completely nitpick for. But the last game, and there was just there's just some times where I don't know if it's necessarily there isn't a buy-in, but at times he's just too stubborn and and driving into things that aren't there. And I agree with the point that you made. You know, as far as it, it really hasn't been a thing the past couple games. It was really noticeable. I think mostly in this past game against the Clippers, but there were multiple plays I thought where um, like. There were multiple times where, you know, he had the opportunity to go close out on a guy and he just kind of stood there and let him shoot. Uh, there was a play where I think it was Paul George. I think it was Tarim Prince guarding Paul George and George got completely beat and just went right in for an open dunk that uh, Andre just kind of let him walk right in for. Andre could have at least, you know, jabbed at him or something to kind of try to make him off his path a little bit. I mean, he Paul George literally had an absolutely clear runway to the rim. Um, and, and just a play like that where Andre just, you know, could could give more effort than he did. The one the one thing about Drummond, though, that is, I mean, I, I guess he's a somewhat viable rim protector. I mean, he's definitely a presence in there. But at times, like on that play, I, I would like to see him at least try to at t- occasionally take a charge because he's a big man. I mean, that's not going to do anything to him. That's the thing, though, with a guy... Okay, so for a guy like Andre, has he ever taken a charge? Like, he's just so... like, And that's the thing, I just think... You know, when you think of guys I, that take charges, you know. think of... You think of... you know, Like a Vooch? Yeah, not even... Like, maybe a Vooch, but I don't like, know. It's like, just, KG was a, a, was a shot blocker, and he would take charges all the time. I feel like it just works easier for KG, though, or a guy like KG. More like, Andre agile, is just... But- I don't know. Andre's it's just, just so big. It's like if it he just almost, well, it's it's more so not like where you're like you're kind of covering your midsection, but if he just kind of like I don't know stands still and goes up with his hands straight, like I, I don't know that might that effort a lot of the time just gets you calls anyway. Yeah, and it definitely would just but I, uh, just spitballing, but yeah. I, I don't know L- little stuff like that. I'm kind of I I agree. I just feel when I think of a guy who takes a lot of charges, I think of a guy like Ursan Ilyasova. Yeah. And okay. when I think of Ursan Ilyasova, I think of someone who, you know, you you can realistically push over. I just don't feel like that would be a natural well, I, movement for Andre, and I feel like it'd be more difficult for him to sell it. Yeah, that's that's fine. I, I'm just I'm not saying often. It's just like every now and again, every couple games maybe. Yeah, like I, it, like I those, that's fair. Those sort of things, like it's I don't think that's really all that much to ask. That's all. No, it, I don't think it is either. Uh, and, and, and he doesn't seem like the guy that wouldn't do it. I, I don't think he's not willing to, like, in terms of interior defense, to do stuff like that. It's it's more so, like, I don't see him as being a guy that's going to, like, close out really, really hard. Because he probably just doesn't want to get a cheap foul and get in trouble. I, like, that, I, that I'm going to have a little bit of leeway for. And that's fair. I think another thing to consider when you're talking about, you know, just taking charges on a drive like that to the lane is you have to also consider that this is a guy who's always going to try to go for the big play. He's always going to, I feel like he's always going to try to block the shot when he's around the rim. 
Whereas, you know, to, to draw a charge, you'd have to just, you know, stay there and go straight up and contest. And that's just not always what he goes for. So I it's just frustrating because he just does not like you're I don't know, he could just do a lot more consistent, have a consistent impact possession to possession if he just went straight up and it because he gets his hand in passing lanes and he'll kind of get some deflections off of like lobs thrown yeah. when he's when he's dropped. So I, I, I just like to see that from him at like a little bit more. Yeah, that's fair. And just kind of the overall attitude too. You you saw him and obviously this has been a thing all season as well. He shot four for thirteen from the field. Um but just struggling to to finish around the rim, you know, the the classic post up with shot up, miss, shot up, miss, and then so, third shot maybe goes in or maybe doesn't. What were you saying? So- so basically, you mean the sky is blue, or I guess maybe could yes. be you could consider it actually this time of year maybe gray, but okay, yeah, but yeah, essentially, and but just seeing the body language after some of those, I thought was also kind of concerning. Um, just kind of moping and not getting back on defense, or just just general stuff there well, as well. It, it just seems like in a in a general sense, if I if I miss a four footer, I'd be <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm generally going to be moping a little bit too, so. You but think it, you'd be used to it by now, though. I mean, yeah. Well, that, that's <laughs> neither here nor there. But I, I yeah, yeah, I, I hear you there. Just kind of taking a more general look on the offense, though. Uh, this is a team that, again, last night and really through all of these games, are not playing a very modern style of basketball, as far as at least as far as the three pointers taken. Um, and in from you know the main offensive pieces, you know, featured here. Andre Drummond, obviously, well, thankfully, is not shooting threes, but that's a guy who's not going to do anything from out there. And then you look at Colin and Darius, they're taking a lot of their shots, but most of almost all of their shots at this point are kind of coming from that mid-range area. Uh, for, for Colin, it's floaters and a lot of push shots. Um, for Darius, it's almost exclusively floaters or just kind of, you know, flip-ups over bigs. Um, against the Timberwolves, Darius took four threes. Uh, Colin took four threes as well. Against the Clippers, and I thought the Clippers actually did a really good job defensively of forcing the Cavaliers to take a lot of those mid-range shots. They were just kind of leaving that open for them. And, like, to their credit, both Darius and Colin took advantage of that and, you know, hit a lot of their shots. But it was kind of obvious, it seemed like to me, that that was what the the, the Clippers were going for, was trying to just take away three-pointers and kind of open up that mid-range and just tempt guys to take those, and it worked. Uh, Colin and Darius each went one for one from three, but again, that's only two threes taken. Uh, as a team, they took four threes, or no, they, they made four threes, took ten threes last night, which is, uh, again, four for ten is a good percentage, whatever, but that's not a lot of threes taken um, and made. What do you think the biggest problem is, or the biggest adjustment that this offense needs to make? Obviously, I think that um, that that you know a guy like Garland needs to be more aggressive from from out there. I think that there are some times where he has maybe not a wide open look from out there, but a good enough look for him that I think he should probably take. What do you think it is that needs to be done here? Well, first off, we need to kind of uh, trim down the Drummond whatever those adventure plays are. That would that would help. Um, but either way, I, I think with Allen, it's it's really good to have a key lob threat in there. I'm not going to diminish or discount that. That's good to see. 
Um, because those are efficient looks too. If you're right at the rim, it's a dunk. I'm not going to say those are bad plays, but, um, yeah, I I think with the Cavs, I, I, again, I I think we touched on this the last pod. I'd like to see them use other guys as rollers and kind of just allow, well, maybe with Drummond, he's, he's going to want the ball, but just allow him to maybe like a little bit more, just be like a, a dump off threat and just kind of hover around the block there um, and kind of play in that dunker role. And then with, with Allen, um, just use him as kind of a weak side lob threat. And I, I'd like to see them use wings as screeners more. Um, we don't see that that often. I think like Torian Prince and Windler, they can shoot off movement. And I'd like to see that more and maybe even use kind of invert a little bit and have um, Jetty handle the ball and have kind of Darius Garland as kind of a reload threat um, with Windler off the ball a little bit, um, combination with between him and maybe of Okoro on the other side of the floor. Um, Okoro hasn't shot well from three, but I think he shot like 39% from the corner. So just I'd like to see – more relocation if you can manage that uh, and just kind of have some buy-in from Garland and, and Sexton to like, they're going to shoot some of the, some of those floors push shots. And it's, that's a key positive for both of them. They can knock those down at a high rate. Um, but I it just like to kind of uh, have them take, go the extra mile a little bit and kind of look for the corner Um Garland really uses kind of ball fakes and head fakes well. He's crafty that way. So maybe kind of, I don't know, just use that hesitation a little bit and kind of keep his dribble alive a little bit more and look for the corner, uh, that sort of thing, and and kind of just keep looking for those skip feeds that they were able to um, kind of manufacture early season. That would be nice to see. And uh, maybe just kind of some film study with, with Derek or with uh, Larry Nance Jr. to kind of utilize bigs and kind of play off them. Um, just, I, I just think relocation really, they need to utilize more. That, that's kind of what stands out to me. I agree with that. And looking at a guy like Larry Nance, obviously, it's been more apparent over these past, you know, six games or so that they're not taking a lot of threes. Uh, when Larry's been in there, he had the wrist injury as well, um, that that kind of limited him from shooting. That's just. It's not a big thing, but all the oh everything kind of adds up with with this sort of situation. So having him not being able to shoot, um, and and like we said with with Garland and Sexton, just kind of, I think Garland in particular just needs to be a little more aggressive out there. Garland in particular said that uh, he thinks that you know he he acknowledged that they're not taking a lot of threes right now, which is obvious, but um, he said that he thinks it'll just kind of happen naturally with with better ball and player movement essentially. Um, and I agree with that. I think, like you said, the, the relocations will help there. Um, and I just think, again, it, it, it shouldn't be something that's forced, but I would just like to see Darius be a, a little bit more aggressive out there, taking the shot instead of immediately kind of trying to drive and kick every single time. One more guy I particularly want to get into before we kind of move on is Lamar Stevens, who has gotten some opportunities these past couple games, uh, especially against the Clippers, played 21 minutes had, I believe, what was it, seven points? Yeah, uh, five rebounds. Uh, had a steal, a couple blocks. I thought was really very, very, very good. I thought that that was the best game that Lamar had played all season. 
Um, again, showed a little bit of ability to knock down some shots. I uh, had one kind of difficult mid-range attempt that he knocked down. Again, not a guy who's going to be giving you a lot of three-pointers uh, and kind of contributing to the problem there as well. Again, but that's not something you expect from Lamar. But, um, I, you know, did a really good job. I thought he guarded Kawhi a lot in that game, you know, had some possessions on PG. How do you think that Lamar Stevens looked against the Clippers particularly? And how have you disliked how he's grown this season overall? Because I think that there's been a pretty significant improvement from the first time that we saw him play this season to now. Yeah, I, I liked what he brought. Um, I think even there was a report that I think like Kawhi sent him a text or something acknowledging um, they, I think he thought he played well or something. I, I didn't see the article admittedly, but just kind of saw that on Twitter. But um, yeah, I, I thought he, he gave them some, some energy there um, and some stretches and he's, I think he's maybe six eight in that range, six seven eight, um, kind of like one of those hybrid uh, three four types. And I, I just, I, I like his, uh, I, I like that he's not a guy that's going to uh, be passive. If a guy is going to make mistakes, to me, that's okay. Um, if you're a guy that's going to be not playing all that frequently, I'd rather it be that way than the other way around where you're playing tentative. And I'm not saying that it's, yeah, it's, it's not a guy that's going to help your spacing when he's out there, but he, he's a little bit of like a, like a mid range bucket getter in a way. Um, he, he can make some, like we've seen turnarounds from him a number of times. Like that seems to be kind of like a go-to look for him. Um, and I don't know, like to me, he, he is pretty active on the glass as well. Um, it's a guy that kind of in some spurts or kind of just minutes here and there. I think it's a guy that you can kind of put on there at the end of quarters um, to get a stop. And I, I think he's we're seeing a little bit of kind of Alfonso McKinney like stuff from him and that uh, he's a grinder. He's he knows his role. He's not going to uh, I mean, he'll shoot it a little bit more admittedly, but. I think I like that he's aggressive and in Penn State, he was able to get to the free throw line. So um, I've seen that a little bit from him uh, thus far here. So it's just a nice guy to know as kind of an end end of bench dude um, that you can't actually play in real minutes um, depending on the matchup. And I, I just like the attitude that he's had. Yeah, I like the attitude. I like the confidence that he's playing with. That's I think that's again we talk about this with two way guys a lot who you know haven't really received a whole lot of opportunity up to this point. Um, early on in the season when he played, he just didn't look good flat out. But yeah, as I just think as he kind of gets a rhythm on the floor, and obviously I, I like the the, the McKinney comparison. Um, I think someone who's a little bit bigger than McKinney and can kind of you know hold his own against. He's he's some, thick. He's thick. Yeah, he's. I think. I think. Okay, so NBA has him listed at six six. Oh, okay, that's right. Two hundred and thirty pounds. He is like yeah. a big wing. He can he can hold his own against a guy like Kawhi. Like he's he's again, kind of. I guess he's kind of like a bigger. I mean, he's not the same. Not the same fluidity, but kind of like a bigger. Uh, like I. I he's kind of like a poor man's like Lou Dort, and in, in in not like in necessarily ability, but. Kind of that kind of like bulkiness, but in a good way type. Yeah, yeah. Where, where, yeah, he can. It's it's difficult to move him defensively, and 
overall, yeah, I, I've just I've been impressed by what I've seen from uh, from Lamar Stevens so far. But uh, anyone else, you know, just from these past couple of games that's really stood out to you? Well, to me, I'd like to see them, given the three-point shooting woes and kind of ball movement issue, I'd like to see Damian Dotson back in there um, in more minutes. And, I, I, yeah, it's just – I think he was a DNP last game. He was. Has played, like, I think, like, under 12 minutes a game over the past six or seven games. And I, I just think he is another guy that I, I think, especially with Allen – um, can be another kind of like PNR guy for you. Can initiate. I, I think he really hits spray outs well. Has a good sense for that. And I, I just like to see them find a way to get him more minutes. Even if you have to cut down uh, Sex Land's minutes a little bit, um, at least game to game, like one of the two of them. Especially with Colin having that kind of nagging, like just bad luck with the ankle and just kind of a little bit hobbled. I'd like to see Dotson more in there. Um, and he's, again, the efficiency overall from three hasn't been there, but he shot in the ballpark of 40% from catch and shoot three. So I just think it's a guy that can kind of help three-point generation a little bit. Yeah, I think Dotson is a guy who could help three-point generation, and Dylan Windler is another one who could. Oh, yeah. It doesn't seem like Dylan has been, you know, super willing to just like. I think he'll get to that point, but he, he doesn't. He hasn't shown the willingness to just absolutely fire away from three this season. Um, he played five minutes against Minnesota uh, and played nineteen and well, almost twenty minutes against uh, LA. I think we kind of we also kind of saw his minutes get dec- decreased a little bit there with Lamar Stevens, you know, inclusion. I don't think that's going to be a long term thing. I think that was just kind of a little bit more of a matchup thing with having guys like Paul George and Kawhi Leonard, who Lamar was, I think, more a little bit more capable to guard. But I think that that's just another guy who you could increase the role of along with a guy like Damian Dotson, who if you could, and, and you were talking about relocation with both of those guys, I think that's something that they could excel in. Um. And just generating some more three-point attempts that way. But um, we'll move on from the games and talk about a little bit of off-court stuff. Hey everyone, the NBA season is underway and there is no better way to celebrate than with Thrive Fantasy, the daily fantasy sports app for player props. They have eliminated the need to do countless hours of research because they only ask you about the top-tier athletes in each sport. All you have to do is pick five out of the ten player prop options to build your lineup. Each prop has a fantasy point total associated with the over or under based on its likelihood to occur. The more points a selection is worth, the riskier it is. Rack up the most points to win a portion of the prize pool. Thrive has awarded over $2 million in prizes since launching in 2018 and will be awarding thousands more this NBA season. So download the Thrive Fantasy app today or visit thrivefantasy.com to get started. Use the promo code KLOVE, that's K-L-O-V-E, like Kevin Love, when you sign up and you will receive an instant deposit match up to $50 on your first deposit of $20 or more. Sign up and prop up today. Colin Sexton has ranked, well, I guess I'll I'll start by saying we we have our first fan vote return uh, for the All-Star game, which, by the way, I guess we can say now will be played in Atlanta. Uh, I... I am personally not the biggest fan of them playing this game. I think it's kind of a weekend for the fans. And if uh, you're not going to be able to have a packed arena, I don't really see the point of it. But I guess you can play it anyway. 
Um, we won't spend too much time on that. But anyway, the first fan vote return uh, has come in. Colin Sexton ranked seventh among guards in the East with two hundred thousand or yeah, two hundred and seven thousand two hundred and eighteen votes. Um, Trey Young came in at six with three hundred sixty-eight thousand. Uh, 126, D. Rose at 8, with 183,899. Uh, anything that, in general, anything that stood out to you about the All-Star voting up to this point with, with Colin or whoever else? I, I don't remember exactly what place it was, but I think Andrew Wiggins was, what was he, like 7 or something? And <laughs> something like that, yeah. Out West for, like... Yeah, that was a little shocking. Um, <laughs> oh, and the other one was Clay Thompson. Clay Thompson, I was going to mention that <laughs> at, in the tenth place among backcourt. Like, come on. Yeah, Clay um, Thompson receiving ninety nine thousand and ninety four votes is. I think that along with Wiggins is just Warriors fans. I mean, it's fan voting. It's whatever. Yeah, Carmelo Anthony got one hundred seventy nine thousand votes. Right. <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, not much to take into that. I mean, maybe Josh McCown got some, too. I don't know. <laughs> so. Look, I mean, yeah, Derrick Rose got a ton. It's just Derrick Rose will always have his fans. Obviously, Clay Thompson is a well-liked guy. And then the Warriors are the Warriors. Uh, their, their fans are still, you know, involved in all of that. So, did, uh, I don't know. Did Clay give uh, Rodney McGruder any votes? I would have to... I, I would assume that Clay Thompson did not vote for Rodney Magruder. And okay. maybe I would assume the, that maybe for the G League uh, Bubble All Star then. Maybe, 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 maybe Draymond Green gave him the nod or, or Wayne Ellington or whoever. Yeah. But um, I want to get into uh, before we you know wrap this up. Obviously, we have quite a bit to dive in here, but uh, wanted to talk about a couple trades or a few trades actually. Um, we've kind of talked about some some young guys who could potentially be on the market. Uh, that, that haven't received rest- extensions from their teams or whatever, uh, that, again, could just kind of fit in with the young core that this team is building. Obviously, we already see them, we've already seen them make one trade this season for Jared Allen that is similar to how these would be done. Uh, we've talked about John Collins and Marvin Bagley, and last episode we talked about Lonzo Ball. I want to talk about Laurie Markin in this episode, someone who, again, would kind of fit into a gap that this team has as far as, I guess, the quote-unquote long-term center that this team, you know, still kind of needs, depending on how you view Kevin Love. Someone who did not come to an extension agreement with Chicago. Uh, He's making $6.7 million this season and then will become a restricted free agent after that. How do you like how Laurie Markkinen would fit in with Cleveland? Do, Do you think that would be a good fit? Obviously, you have to think, again, someone who can space this floor from that spot. Uh, just general thoughts on how he would, how his addition would fare for Cleveland. Yeah, I, I like Markinen. Um I don't love him. A guy that can't space the floor, sure. Um, has some post-up ability. Has kind of some mid-post ability as well. Um, but ugh, defensively is about as big of a liability as you're going to get. And really, just... Uh, defense, like there's just no, nothing, like provides nothing on defense. Um, and I, I just, the, the guy is just so, I, I wouldn't really say he's thin, but just 
unfortunately is up, not about, the strongest. Just arguably more injury prone than Love at this point. And what is he, 23? So I don't really see that getting better. And like big men that have, I guess, injury issues that early, I just am not a fan of generally. Uh, when it's been this this amount of years, it's been a, a number of times over that that's been the case. And that just scares me because you factor in that Allen's going to get again going to get an extension um, or an offer sheet matched, whatever you want to do. There, Colin looks like he's probably going to get an extension this offseason. and yeah, I, I giving up maybe like a guy like Jetty who I, I'm not obsessed with, but somebody in that realm or I, I don't maybe I, I don't think Torian Prince. Um, would be in that realm, but a guy like Jetty uh, and or like other assets potentially for Larry Markin. And I, I just, again, better player than Jetty, but I, I just wouldn't be wanting to pay a Larry Markin in um, personally um, and or giving up future assets for him just because how many games is this guy going to play if you sign him to a significant deal? I mean, what, what would you think a deal would be 18, 19 mil a year? I'm just not willing to do that with Lauren Markin. That's just my opinion. My initial thought for Markin, and, and again, this was without too much thought. It was just kind of the first thing that came to my head was anywhere from 13 to 17 million. Okay. And obviously, with restricted free agency, that's likely to be more on the high side. Um, just that's, because that's what I'm thinking too. Teams will always give offer sheets that you know are probably overpays for restricted free agents. That's just kind of how it goes. So, yeah, he, he wouldn't be cheap. Uh, at the same time, though, he is kind of having a career year this season. Uh, he's shooting, you know, 39.5% from three after a really down year last year. Um, a really skilled player, no doubt. Not yeah, very, bad. very skilled. Um, you know, it has a little bit of, not a lot of playmaking ability, you know, at the spot. But a little bit. Can, uh, he has a little bit of that, and overall just... A three-level score. Um, he's putting up twenty a game this season. I also think Donovan has definitely helped his helped him too. Oh, absolutely. I, I mean, we we don't have to get into uh, Jim Boylan as a coach, but I think he was Ugh. completely underutilized in uh, the uh, the the Boylan system. So, yeah, we we can leave it at that. But um, yeah, overall, again, you know, having a career year efficiency wise, he's you know shooting. Shooting 65% from two so far this season after shooting, you know, 52% from last season. I just think overall, you know, his post game has improved, um, which do we really need another post up guy right now? That's well, that, <laughs> it matters. I mean, I, I, it, it does. Like, you, it does. You, you need to be able to, like, to me, the mid post is where it really matters. And I think that's yeah. like his, he's kind of like loving that he can just shoot over guys. Yeah. And, and ha- like he can create a little bit off the bounce, like kind of just get to his spots. Um, kind of can kind of make like some flip shots here and there. Um, ha, has real touch. So yeah, I, like I definitely get both sides of the coin. I just personally don't think, just based on the history, I just I don't trust that he can stay healthy. Is the problem? Mm-hmm. I, I I I like the the post up ability as a long term asset. I just the point I was trying to make is, do we really need another you know guy who we're gonna get post up to while well, Andre Drummond is still in Cleveland? But um, 
like you mentioned, has struggled with some injuries. Uh, these past couple of years, I think, has proven you know that he can stay on the floor a little bit more. Uh, he, he hasn't played uh, more than 68 games in a season. He played 68 in his rookie year. But uh, I think he hasn't dealt with any injuries this year, has he? I don't think he has. Uh, I don't believe so. I think they, they have, how many games have they had canceled due to COVID? I, I don't know. I'm not exactly sure. I don't think that they've been a team that's dealt with it heavy. But um, uh, maybe they've had. Have they? Have they? I, I, I don't, don't even know. I don't know. I mean, I think he's. I think it says here that he's. Yeah, he's played 13 games. I don't remember exactly if they've had those or not. I think they may have had a couple. They've, of, they've had some postponements. I think maybe like yeah. three or four. But um, I don't remember if it was from them or I, I think it was like Boston and the Wizards, maybe that sort of thing. But yeah, I, I don't think it's been. Maybe he's missed a few, but I don't think it's really been anything bad. No. So, I, I'm not super concerned with him injury-wise. And, again, it's not like he has a super physical play style to where, you know, you're really concerned about, you know, just him banging banging a whole lot. But, um, yeah, I, I like the guy. Uh, a couple trade, you know, ideas that I had there. Again, he makes just under $7 million. You could just do him for Jetty straight up with, again, you know, some draft compensation going back to Chicago. I wanted to throw one more at you. Would you be at all interested in JaVale and Dylan Windler for Larry Markkinen? Uh, JaVale and Dylan Windler. Um, yeah, sure. Why not? <laughs> I, just, I, mean, I, I, guess- I just feel like the Bulls are going to... I mean, I don't know that front office views him. I'm not saying I do, but I just feel like that's not really one they're going to... Like, I just feel like they just laugh. I don't know. That might be fair. I just... If, I guess if, if... I mean, yeah, that I would do. I just don't think there's... I mean, they... Who know, We don't know if they're going to want to extend him yet, but I, I that one I just feel like is laughable. Well, I think part of the thing is... And it's probably not enough. Again, you could, you could involve... Draft conversations, well, I, yeah, maybe. I just, I don't, but I, ugh, I don't know. For the Bulls, I, I think that they, I, I don't really know if there's really a way for them to come to an agreement. Um, they were pretty considerably far off in uh, extension talks between the two sides, and it seems like it's just kind of a case where, and there's, there's probably a better deal out there either from the Cavs or otherwise. But it just seems like it's a way to get something, you know, out of a deal where maybe you just are ready to move on from the guy. So I guess, again, that's just a baseline package of, you know, of, of players. You would obviously need to probably include some draft compensation as well. I probably should have mentioned that, but um, overall you're, you're out on Laurie. <sighs> yeah. I'm just not really the, I, I don't know. Like to me, it's, uh, I don't know. Just factoring in, like I, I'd rather draft, uh, I'd rather draft a four from this draft, frankly, than Mark. Yeah, me too. Me too. And just due to the, I mean, I'm not, I'm big on skill and shooting, but defense. I mean, he's just a tr- like like zero defensively. Like, yeah, for for as tall as he is, he's not a rim protector. Yeah, and uh, just that, and not like it's just like people are are huge, like so out on love. Like to me, that's just another you're replacing love with. Love, who's just his junior. I, I don't really. Yeah, it's it's tough to say for me, and it's a, another guy that it, I, I don't know how much he can really fit in in because, yeah, I, I don't know. It, it's 
it's tough to say. And he's in a pretty – I think Donovan is a very underrated offensive head coach, and I don't know if that – how he'd fit in here is the other thing. I just want to note really quick, uh, Laurie Markkinen was placed early on in the season in a COVID-19 health and safety protocol, so that was part of the reason that he missed some of his games. So. Okay. Yeah, we'll move this, on. this season is not what I'm alluding to. It's just – Yeah, in, in general. It's just I the, understand. the year two and three is all. Yeah. Moving on to another player here, we got to get into trade two of three, I guess you can say. Victor Oladipo. We got to talk about Victor Oladipo. Now, this is an interesting one. Um, obviously, it was just traded from the Pacers to the Rockets. Already rumors coming out of Houston that he might be on the move again. Um, I don't see this as being a very realistic trade at all. But you know what? Anyone else that is a big name that's come on the market, we've talked about. So, dang it, we got to talk about Oladipo as well. Um Making $21 million this season, uh, he'll be an unrestricted free agent this offseason. Uh, like I mentioned, uh, not likely long for Houston. Where do you see – is there any incentive for the Cavs to trade for him? He's 28 at this point. Um, I guess if they really want to make a push for the playoffs this season, it makes some sense. Uh, you could pair him with Sexton and Garland and Love and Drummond, and that's – you know that, that's a – a good team right there and Okoro as well. But um, overall, I don't like the fit there with uh, with Garland and Sexton. I think it, you could try to play all three of them together. I don't think it would work very well. Uh, what are your general thoughts on the addition of Victor Oladipo in Cleveland? Well, what what would we have to – like what, what would be a potential deal? I just don't Okay, really... so it, it gets complicated because – there aren't a lot of just like obvious salary fillers for Houston if you wanted to make a deal for Love or Drummond. So looking at their their salary sheet, obviously John Wall's not going anywhere. Uh, Eric Gordon, you're not going to make a move for. Christian Wood isn't getting dealt. Uh, Dante is the guy that you look at here, but the Cavs can't yeah. acquire. The right. Cavs can't reacquire Dante Exum after trading him. Uh, PJ Tucker holds you know real trade value. They're not just going to move on from him for nothing. So there, there really isn't anybody there. I think, like I said, if, if this deal was to be done for Cleveland, it would have to be to pair him with Kevin Love and Andre because you're just not going to be able to reach their salaries. I think for the Cavs, and I kind of mentioned it, it would have to be something along the lines of a Jetty Osman and Tarian Prince deal, essentially. And it's not like, you know, Victor Oladipo is going to, you know, command a high price. But um, it, that's who it would have to be, basically, from a salary standpoint. Okay. Um, you could you could throw in guys like, you know, whatever you want to do there. But uh, let's just say as a base package, you know, to start negotiating with Jetty Osmond and Tarian Prince. Yeah, I don't I just feel like it's it's got to – you got to find a way to get kind of Dallas and or um, the rumored guys and uh, the Raptors in there, too. Um, yeah, I mean, if you want to make that call, go ahead. But, um, yeah, just another guy that's kind of an ex- expiring dude. And not like, again, like I'm huge on Jetty or, or Prince, but I, I just I, I don't know what you're going to pay Oladipo in the offseason. I, I just, again, it's another guy that has had that injury history. And I should say recent history and just – I know that he's improved as a shooter. I'm not. I'm not knocking him for that. But uh, it's just another guy that 
at this point in his career, I just feel like the he's just on a decline and still is a good amount of his game is still relying on athleticism. And given that he's kind of is definitely thinner than Markin, I mean, it's thin for his position, really. Um, I, I just don't really love that potential. Uh, and yeah, definitely not a guy. I mean, he's pretty much at the two. That's that's what he plays. Well, and, yeah, I was going to ask you. And I, I, you, I how do you even, like the fit there? I don't think he'd really fit in well. Like, to me, you'd probably have to move Garland to the bench. And that putting in Sexton as, like, a an overall one is – I don't really see it as I don't really love help. that. I don't, I don't see don't it as really the- helping. And Oladipo's not generally been a high-volume three-point shooter either. So – Ugh, I, He's ramped up more in the past few seasons, but yeah. Yeah, but I, I just uh, – with Colin, I just don't think he's really like a key three-point generator. And yeah, I just feel like there would be a playmaking issue. And I, I don't know how much of a net – honestly, like a huge positive it would be considering you'd have to pay Oladipo. And that at this point in his career, I just – I don't really know. Well, that's that's another one of my questions. Is you know what are you going to pay All Depot as an extension? I obviously because he wanted what was he, he, what did the Pacers offer him? What twenty five, twenty six? The Pacers did, offered him a max that. extension, which is obviously not a max contract. It's just what you can offer him an extension, and he did decline that. Right. Um, part of that might just be because he wants out of Indiana. We don't know the whole story there, but you'd have to think that he would want a deal in you know with an average salary in the mid twenties, which I would certainly shy away from especially yeah. considering that you still have love on the books and that you're going to have to give out some other extensions this offseason you know i think when you're looking at a guy like you know we've talked about john collins or lonzo ball or, or laurie markin and who are going to be you know un- or restricted free agents that you're going to have to extend this offseason if you acquire them those i think make more sense because especially if you can move off of kevin love um, there, there is open salary there to extend them, and um, th- th- again, that's that's more of your your long term future. You know, looking towards the ends of those contracts is when you're really seriously competing. If you extend a guy like Victor Oladipo to that, um, one, I think if if you were to trade for Victor Oladipo and then extend him to a, a a big contract, trading away Kevin Love would kind of be counterintuitive. Because yes, you're saving yourself some money. Yeah, that's my but point too. You're also like buying into this team right now, so yeah. it just doesn't really make sense from that standpoint. Obviously, the, the fit doesn't buy. You're, you know, the, the fit really does not work well. Uh, the playmaking from uh, Sexton Oladipo backcourt really just wouldn't be there. Um, it would force Garland to a, a bench roll, which might stunt his development, which I don't really think is worth it if it's just for a guy like Oladipo, who again isn't well, you know. To me, it almost it, it almost seems like you need to trade Garland in addition, um, at least just somehow. Which, again, just, I don't think is is a good idea. <laughs> yeah, I, I'd frankly rather not. Um, at this point, it's it's just yeah for a guy like that and or marketing, I just think it's it's just it's just a little early to kind of event, like eventually consolidate because um, that seems like that would be kind of where you're at. And yeah, like you said uh, about love, that, that it's just it just seems like it'd be just like a huge wash, and honestly, be kind of two steps back and instead of forward to me. 
I think that a team with a healthy Love and Drummond and Oladipo and the other guys, you know, Okoro, Sexton, Garland, whoever else is, you know, still there after the trade, is a team that's probably still good enough to make the playoffs this season. But that's you're, you're kind of capping out at that, and I don't think it's worth it at all. Yeah, and the other issue is if you do do that, then if you don't, if you don't extend Drummond in the offseason, say, like, how would that come? Like, how would the terms be with Oladipo then? Like, the that's buy, another the, good point. The buy-in <laughs> definitely wouldn't, like, you just would think, like, wow, this is, you're letting this guy go and you're not going to sign him. And I just feel like that would be behind the scenes, like, it just end up being a disaster. Yeah, he, he obviously didn't want to be in Indiana. It doesn't really seem like he wants to be in Houston. And, and he was the man in Indiana, really. I So yeah. I, I don't understand. Like To me, that, that just makes me so, so sour on Oladipo, frankly. And if, if you're looking at trading him, yeah, I would almost – a part of the value if you're not going to extend him would just be trading for an expiring, which if that's really what you want to do to free up you know salary and, for a, a future move, so be it. But – Without, you know, a, a set plan in place, that's just a bad idea. And also, I, I mean, I, I think it was reported that he's or, or rumored, reported, whatever, that I think he, there, he had interest in the Knicks. So and I, I'm not going to say I like listen to his music or anything, but he's also kind of a dude that um, does. I, I think he is a recording artist or has yeah. has recorded. So. Mm-hmm. I would think, I mean, if there's rumors of him wanting to go to the Knicks or be, have interest there, like, for coming to Cleveland, I just feel like that'd be another situation where, like, he, he wouldn't want to be there anyway and would probably bolt. I, I Not like I would know, but considering that rumor, you'd think he'd want to be in a big market for that, potentially out of basketball interest, too. So, yeah, again, it's just it's just a wash to me. I think, yeah, New York has been somewhere that has at least been reported. I think Scoop B may have reported that, so take it for right. Take oh, it I, with a I, take I, it with a grain of salt. But Scoop, um, I, I'll chat occasionally. Uh, Scoop B kind of sends me some encouraging uh, t- stuff via Twitter, so I, I'm not going to hate on Scoop B. Scoop B has me blocked on Twitter. Oh, so, geez. Uh, well, that's. <laughs> I think I like. I, I just sorry about that. I shot down him having sources once, I think, and he blocked me. So uh, I don't know. He's, he seems like a pretty good dude. I, I'm not. He seems hate. like a fine I'm, guy. I'm not going to hate on Scooby. I'm not really anybody that's too relevant in the Twitterverse. So, um, but yeah, regardless, I, I Depot's is a he's a fine player. I mean, he's he's a, a a very good player when he's fully healthy. But yeah, to me, just to kind of really go all in on another two guard. I, I'd rather just draft one and, and acquire one via the cheap and kind of steadily build and, and have at least just going forward, not being uh, too tied up in, in a cap sense. Yeah. I think another destination that Oladipo has been, you know, reported to be interested in is like a, a place like Miami, which again is not like Cleveland as far as, you know, I mean, just, it's, it's not really a huge market, but it's, Definitely, it's a, Miami. Uh, it's it's a des- Miami. It's, it's a, a it's a destination. Period. Yeah. Yeah. So, I don't know if you're if you're gonna look for like moves. Like I, I don't know if if it's somebody that might be a tad questionable. Like I, I like if you're just spitballing, like a guy like Aaron Gordon would be more of a type where maybe 
don't know, if you're going for like a swing that mm-hmm. that to me, like just looking onward might be a guy that you look at more than Oladipo. Yeah, yeah, I completely agree. Uh, one last trade that we can get in here too, um, kind of fact, you know, kind of in a, a building off of a trade that we had mentioned previously, uh, which was the whole Andre Drummond to Dallas possibility uh, with a third team involved. So I, you know, have been firmly on the the Nets should trade for JaVale McGee train for a while now. Um, I still think that that is something that makes complete sense, even with the Norvell Pell signing. But um, another kind of candidate has emerged, I think, which is the Miami Heat uh, team that just lost Myers Leonard for the rest of the season to shoulder surgery. Um, and, uh, you know, past BAM, as far as centers on their roster right now, I believe that they have Chris Silva, Kelly Olinick as kind of a, a small ballish five option, and essentially like Precious Achua. And uh, Udonis Haslam. Shout out to Udonis Haslam. Got to at least mention him. But, um, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, though, not really a lot there. I think. JaVale McGee would also be a, a great target for them uh, as a backup center. I think he would fit in perfectly, especially for a team that's that's really struggling. Um, you know, this is a guy who could come in and just provide some energy off the bench for him. That wouldn't be too expensive. Uh, again, similar to Brooklyn, it would be doing right by JaVale, I think. Um, you know, obviously, you know, Miami was a team that made the finals last year. They're struggling right now. I expect them to bounce back from what they are right now. But you're also, again, sending him to a destination in Miami where he can, you know, he's also kind of dabbled in, you know, recording and whatever, as far as music, that's a, a, a good place for him to be, I think. Yeah. But, um, well, Drummond would attest to that too. Yes. Drummond would attest to that as well. But, uh, Miami should be getting a disabled player exception. You'd have to think for Myers Leonard, who's out for the rest of the season in the event that he does, that would be a $4.7 million uh, exception, which again, you can acquire or sign a player, in the last year of their, well, you can you can sign a player to a one year deal, or you can acquire a player in the last year of their right. trade. Um, yep. Javale McGee making four point two million dollars fits into that. They also have a trade exception for James Johnson that they could fit him into, so they wouldn't have to give up anybody other than just draft compensation. Which I don't think the Knicks or not the Knicks, but the Heat have any trades that, or first round picks that they can trade. But they do have seconds, which would probably get a deal done there. Um, before we get into kind of the whole three team mess. Do you think that that would be a logical destination for JaVale McGee? Yeah, I, I, I can't really argue against that. Um, yeah, it's it's one that I could see uh, just because he's kind of fallen out of the rotation, at least often for the Cavs. So it's, I mean, you're, you'd get probably, could you get two twos for JaVale? I'm not sure on that. I'm not sure if it would if the price you'd have. To, I mean, I don't. I'm not in a front office. I'm not sure what you know the perceived value of him is, whether it's one second rounder or two. Well, the only thing is with I think it was I don't remember exactly where it was on, but Wendy kind of said on I think it was somebody with ESPN Cleveland, like or maybe within like the last week, pretty much saying how the Cavs do value Javale. They don't want pretty much don't want to just. Like they want to get something that they deem value back for him, so I just mm-hmm. that that's the only thing I, I don't really know. But I guess what are you going to get back from Brooklyn, for example, anyway? So 
Yeah, I guess. I think that with, the limit is like two second rounders and maybe one. I think that that's yeah what I, you're going to get for I them. guess with, yeah, like two seconds, at least with Miami, I mean, it's, do we really know exactly what Miami's going to be down the road? No. So, like, I, I'd value that more than, like, Nets second rounder. So, mm-hmm. like that, mm-hmm. I, yeah, I'd be fine with it. Well, again, we had mentioned beforehand the um, the Andre Drummond to Dallas trade, which I still think makes sense. Uh, we put together a three-team trade, uh, me and Dan did, uh, that would send Drummond to Dallas, that would send JaVale to Miami. Basically, in this deal, Miami would get Tarian Prince as well as JaVale McGee. We can get into that in a minute. Uh, Dallas would get Drummond and Cash from Miami, and Cleveland would get back from the two teams Andre Iguodala, Dwight Powell, James Johnson, two second rounders from Miami. Uh, again, that's basically compensation for Javale and a first round pick, which is essentially compensation for Drummond from Dallas. Um, any just general thoughts on that before we kind of break down piece by piece? Yeah, I just think with Iggy, that's kind of. Uh, I hope he wouldn't just retire because that seems like that could be a possibility, but. At the same time, we don't really uh, – with Torian Prince, he seems like a guy that's eventually going to get traded anyhow, um, at least by the next – by next year's deadline, I would think. And that seems like a guy that could seemingly be a trade piece in the offseason anyway. So, I mean, he's, he's played pretty well. I'm not going to – like, I, I like Torian Prince. I, I think he's a key part of our rotation right now, but – it's it kind of just would allow the Cavs to, like you said, net two twos and get a first back for Drummond, which I that's that doesn't seem completely out of the question at this point. Well, I think again, not only you're getting a first for Drummond, and you're also taking on uh, Dwight Powell if you're Cleveland. Yeah, which but do we? Is, it doesn't seem like it's like the worst thing in the world. I mean, I, he's clearly not been the same player since the Achilles, but. Is the guy going to be like Jared Allen looking onward is going to be playing what 32 minutes anyway? Well, yeah, the, the rule wouldn't be a, a huge one for, for Powell. I think he could be right. fine. It's just the financial commitment, which again isn't right. terrible. It's but like 11, it is, right? Yeah, it's like 11 for the next, for this year and like the next two, which yeah. again isn't the worst thing in the world. Again, I, I think but it's another one that can be a tra- if, like maybe tradable yeah, if he yeah, looks half, halfway okay. Yeah. But I think, again, like you, it would take some convincing to get Cleveland to take that. I don't think that that's a positive value contract. So that, no. that, it's, it's, it's more incentive for them to get off of that deal. Right. Um, for, for Dallas to get off of that deal. And I think exactly. that's why you know, the, the first round pick comes in to play. Um, for, for Miami in particular, they get obviously McGee, who we just mentioned was a good fit. I think that Tari and Prince would be a fantastic fit for them as well as a yes. kind of shooting small ball four. Uh, yes. Kind of in the mold of what Jay Crowder gave them last year. Exactly. Uh, obviously, not someone who's as big as Jay Crowder, but can provide shooting in a similar way. And again, is, is able to you know guard that he's, position as well. He's as also three. more like more actually can do something on ball than Crowder too. For sure. Yeah. <laughs> Assuming that he's playing like he does in Cleveland and not like he did in Brooklyn, um, that's just kind of a mixed bag. But in theory, he can provide more than Jay Crowder. And that's all trades are essentially anyway. Yeah, uh, uh, yeah, that's a fair point. But um, and and just looking at you know the options that they've had there, um, Mo Harkless has been just flat out bad for them this season. Uh, he's he's fallen off a cliff. That's been surprising. 
Yeah. I, I, I thought that he was someone who was going to come in there and just kind of, you know, be fine like he has been his entire life. But he has just not been well. Uh, Andre Godala is playing kind of that role right now. I think Tarian Prince is probably an upgrade at this point. Uh, it may, maybe, you know, Iggy, again, like he always has, turns it up in the playoffs. I'm not sure if he can do it anymore. But you have to, you know, start getting concerned about, you know, what he can really provide you moving forward. And Tarian Prince is also a clear shooting upgrade at that spot for from Iguodala and Harkless as well. Um, and if you're if you're Cleveland, you're looking at again Dwight Powell, which you're going to take on the contract, but he can you know he can be a fine backup center for you as well. Um, James Johnson, who is basically just an expiring, and Andre Iguodala, who's basically an expiring. Uh, we've talked about Johnson plenty. Iguodala is making $15 million a season with a $15 million player option for next. Uh, there's no way that the Cavaliers – or team option, not player option. He has a team option. There's no way that the Cavs are going to pick that up. Um, I wouldn't even – I'm not entirely convinced that Iguodala would, like you said, play a game for Cleveland. Um, I would see both him and James Johnson eventually being buyout guys um, once they've received most of their salary. But um, – at least him. I, I don't know. Maybe James Johnson might like he, – he could seem like a guy that might like playing with Cleveland. I don't know. You know what? He embraced a role with Minnesota last year. Yeah, so. he seems like he's he's like just like a good locker room uh, type buy-in guy. I, I mean, he just seems like a good guy. Not to knock Iggy, but given that he didn't even want to play in Memphis, like – I just I don't see Iggy as a guy who would want to play in Cleveland. Oh, just, absolutely, I think absolutely, he's not. someone no who is at the point in his career where you know this yeah. season or next might be his last. Yeah, he wants to be on a championship contender or a place or, like Miami where he can just relax on the beach. Or yeah, and and or play golf. Or play golf. Maybe he'd go back to the Warriors. I don't know, but um, anyway, you know, he'd be a buyout guy. But you're basically looking at taking on Powell's money and then getting two expirings and then getting a couple of seconds and a first. You're in, you also have to, you know, consider the fact that they're they're getting – they're taking on Powell's money, but they're also getting rid of Tarian Prince's long-term money. So just looking at the books moving forward, you do have to consider that as well. You're getting off of Tarian Prince's 12-point whatever next year. So overall, you know, I mean, I'm not sure exactly if this trade would get done or not. But it is an interesting one. Like, I, I think – JaVale McGee to Miami is something that could very, very realistically happen. Uh, same with Drummond to Dallas. And when you just kind of look at the trade as a whole, Tarian Prince is a guy who makes a ton of sense for Miami as well. So I am definitely a big fan of this trade, and I would not be I, I would not be upset with this. Again, maybe you're a little bit hesitant to move on from some guys for, you know, just a few picks. But overall, I would be a fan of this deal. Would you be? Yeah, I'd, I'd give it the go-ahead, no doubt. Overall, Dan, we got anything else to talk about here tonight? Um, I guess we can get into these next couple of games. We play the Bucks twice. Uh, Colin Sexton is questionable right now with the next strain. Uh, Larry Nance continues to be out. Andre Drummond is off of the injury report, so he'll be good to go, at least as far as right now. Will go, will go. But um, anyway, how are you feeling about these two games against the Bucks? Obviously, you know the, the month of February is going to be tough for this team. At least it's it's looking like a tough schedule. How you got the Cavs playing these two games? Uh, well, I think they're they'll 
be playing in quotes. That's about how I think. Well, they will be playing. I think uh, they will definitely play. They are due to play 48 minutes. That's about all I can say. Yeah. I mean, we we look at the matchups. I'm not sure who you put on Giannis to start. Um, I think that's kind of where you're going to miss Larry Nance a little bit. Uh, I don't know. Like, does Isaac get the call? They're going to have to go zone, but it's not even like considering the three point barrage they've given up the last, like in recent games. I, I don't really know if you can actually play zone is the problem. So that I, I have no idea. I really don't know. I don't know. I it, think the just, Cavaliers probably lose both of these games. Uh, I, I think that they can remain competitive in at least one of them. But the matchup with Giannis is not you, a great one. Do we know what the line is on Friday's game, I would. I wonder. Right I, I feel like it'd do be what? Not. It's, it's got to be what, like, like eleven and a half or something. I feel like that would be about right. I don't know. I, I would. I, I don't think. Even. I don't think I'd take it. Take that bet either. I don't know. I mean, I Ugh. can't find it. But Ugh. you know, it, it could be a couple of rough games. It really well, could be. I um, guess. Yeah, you got to figure Giannis. Probably, I feel like he would sit the second game. He might. Well, I, I should say I think maybe he, not he could probably, play. but it, he could, I, I if, would, he's done that historically, it seems, when they've had back-to-backs and or, like, with us. And he – like, he's, he didn't play the last game we played them. Was that a, a back-to-back for them? I don't remember. I think that was just injury or yeah, something related, but I, I, I don't know if it was just purely rest. Yeah, I don't I don't think it was, though. Or, or yeah, you're right. I think it was – maybe it was something like back spasms, maybe. Maybe that sounds. I, I think he's maybe had, right. He's kind of had that issue this season a little bit. Yeah, he has. But um, it'll it'll again. It'll be a good test as far as <laughs> Drew Holiday against the young guards. Um, it'll be uh, you know as a good defender there. It'll be interesting to see if he's guarding Sexton or Garland and how you know they perform against a really good def- perimeter defender like him. Um, it'll be interesting to see who guards. Giannis, uh, I, I've had to assume that you know if they when they do play man, uh, it seems like Okoro would probably take on Middleton. Maybe you know Tarian Prince takes on Giannis. Oof. Maybe. Oof. Like maybe Drummond. Maybe, may, hey, you know, I'm I mean, not. I'm not even joking. I I think well, that could they actually, could play. That could be. They okay. could play some some double big lineups and you know with him and Jared Allen or whatever, and then just have one of the others take the center. I mean that's a possibility. Yeah. It's uh, see. I feel like they'll probably put like I could see Drummond guarding Giannis for a good bit with uh, Prince on Middleton, um, and then um, they'll put Okoro, Okoro on, on, on Brook uh, on um, Lopez. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah, I think like that's, I, a, that's a that's a possibility. Like I, I get, I could kind of see that because he's. Because Brooke Lopez is not like he hasn't really been the post up Brooke Lopez no, a, he's, a lot no, anymore. No. I just feel like that's kind of something that they might go with. But again, we don't. They won't. They won't want to have. Uh, won't want to have Drummond in foul trouble. But I don't know. I mean, considering you have Jared Allen now, like I, I could maybe see that a little bit. Kind of how like TT played Giannis mm-hmm. pretty well last year. So yeah. Maybe we'll see some more Lamar Stevens minutes, uh, getting some run on guys like you know Giannis and Middleton. Again, it's just I think a guy that you can at least throw at him that will do better than right. Jetty Osman. So 
Yeah, Jenny is is the this is the issue is is he gonna dribble into the corner? Is uh it, yeah that that just makes me nervous. I, I feel like whenever Jenny plays the Bucks, it just generally just I don't know what happens really, but anything can happen. Anything can happen. But um, Dan, before we before we get out of here, uh, any anything else you got to get off? Um. Uh, I don't know. I, I just, yeah, I, I got nothing really. Uh, that's fine. Hey, you know what? Vote for Colin Sexton. Uh, keep on, you know, getting the votes in while you can. Um, phone, fan voting isn't the only factor, but uh, it does matter. And if if Colin gets beat out by Derrick Rose, I will be a little bit disappointed. So if Colin for Col- beat 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 out Trey Young. In basically Trey Young's house, that would be pretty funny. That's all. That'd be pretty cool as well to see. Yes. Um. So so go vote for Colin Sexton. It does your vote matters. Well, um. You know what though? It's Trey Young's house, but it's Colin's home because he's because he's he was a Hawks fan. It's from he, Atlanta. He was so. a Hawks. He, he he grew up in Atlanta, didn't he? Yeah. He's he's hashtag true to Atlanta. So you know what? It's his home anyway. <laughs> All right, well, uh, with that, we're going to get out of here. Thanks again, Dan, for coming on. Uh, Thank you out there for listening. If you enjoyed listening, subscribe. Never miss another episode. Uh, Leave a five-star review, or leave a five-star rating, rather. And also leave a review if you want to. Uh, With that, we'll see you again after the Bucks games. Hopefully, you know, that's not the disaster that it could be. Well, I'm definitely fearing the deer. Yeah, the the deer. I mean, that's, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll see. You know what? Cavs are going to take one of these games. I'll call it now. Uh, we're, we're just going to blind optimism. I'm going to say they, they beat the spread in the second game. That's fair. I, again, I don't know what the spread is, but yeah, you know it's, what? It's, it's TBD, but I feel like it's going to be over, over under like 10 and a half, 11, something like that. Yeah. They, they'll, 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 make it, they'll make one of these games. A game. So Right. All right. With that, we'll get out of here. Thanks again for listening. Yep. Thanks as always. If you have an existing podcast or are looking to launch your own pod but aren't sure where to start, the team at My Podcast Manager can help. Our podcast team works behind the scenes so you can do what you do best. We'll help you launch your podcast, make it sound great, and free up your time for the more enjoyable parts of podcasting. If you're ready to put your podcast editing, production, and promotion on autopilot with a trusted team of podcasting professionals. Visit mypodcastmanager.com to get started. Thank you for listening to Cavalier Central. Be on the lookout for another episode coming soon.